0: verse 18 through 25. I want to stop at David's story. I want to stop at Gideon's story today. So I want to help us understand the power of the built-in breakthrough that God has put inside of us through the power of his spirit. And so Exodus 19 and verse 18 says, And Mount Sinai was altogether a smoke because the lord descended upon it in fire and the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace and the whole mount quaked greatly and when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder moses spake and god answered him by a voice and the lord came and the lord came down upon mount sinai and on top of the mount and the lord called moses up to the top of the mount and moses went up you know, when the Lord calls you, the answer is always yes. Amen? Even if it means climbing a difficult place. Someone said, I'm going through a very rough climb, a very, a very jagged mountain I'm climbing right now. And I said, well, it's a good thing because a smooth mountain wouldn't be very hard to climb, <laughs> but a difficult mountain you can grab onto. And the Lord said unto Moses, go down, charge the people lest they break through Unto the Lord, to what? Gaze. To gaze. That's important. And many of them perish. Next verse. And let the priests also which come near to the Lord sanctify themselves, lest the Lord break forth. They to say break forth upon them. And Moses said unto the Lord, The people cannot come up to the mountain Sinai, for thou chargest us, saying, Set bounds about the mountain and sanctify it. And the Lord said unto him, Away, get thee down, and thou shalt come up, thou and Aaron with thee. But let not the priests and the people break through to come up unto the Lord, lest he break forth upon them. In this verse, there is a curse. And that curse is, Moses went down on the people and spake unto them. Go back to the previous verse. The curse is that they not break forth to gaze, that they not break forth as priests if they're not sanctified. And so the principle here that is released of God's nature to us is that when we break through, God will break forth. But there is a criteria to breaking through. You don't break through into God's dimensions and God's power to gaze or to be entertained or to be spectators. You break through, and God will break forth for you and work for you. In this situation, it's a curse, but it's a principle of God. Wherever you are willing to push through and break through, God is willing to break forth on behalf and work for you. Amen? And so that's the principle I want to draw out of scripture, and I just want to pray over this as I talk to you for a few minutes about a built-in breakthrough a built-in breakthrough. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your anointing in this place. I'm so glad you're here, and I'm so glad you're touching us. We ask you to bless the hearing of the word. Let it be sown in us. Let it live in us. Let let it take forth root, and then also bring forth fruit. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. amen. You may be seated. I was dealing with a very difficult moment of life, and I began to pray and seek the Lord why I was struggling so much. And the Lord woke me up one morning and just said a thought, just threw a thought at me, and he said, Shabar. And I'm like, okay, that doesn't make any sense at all. Shabar, what is that? And so I Googled, <laughs> I got a hold of prophet Google, and I asked him, what doth the Lord say? And I googled Shabar, and Shabar is all throughout the scriptures as broken. And the Lord told me you are suffering from a broken spirit right now. But don't look at it as a negative. Look at it and understand that you cannot break Shabar through until you have gone through a place of brokenness in me. Amen? And so God will often create a place or a time period in your life where you see things that just seem to be broken in your experiences, broken in your life, and you cannot seem to put together what God says with your experience in life. Am I resonating with anybody in the room right now? Where you just feel like the scriptures are there, but they don't seem to really apply because you're not seeing the victory that the scripture talks about. You're not feeling the kind of breakthrough right now that you feel like you need, but you have to understand that you can't have breakthrough until there's a breaking, until you fall on Jesus Christ and be broken. You cannot see what he wants to do for you. And until you let yourself be humbled in the sight of God, he will not lift you up. Scripture says so. We have to understand that there is a breaking process that takes place. There's something that helps us, and we 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 know that in this breaking, it's a humbling moment. It's a it's a time where we seek God above everything else. You know, if I'm walking on a on a nice path and I'm not seeing a, a difficulty in step, and I'm not walking in a way that's treacherous, if you reach out and grab my hand, I probably would just say, you know, it's okay. I got this. I I got sure footing. I'm fine. But if I'm walking in a place that's difficult and I'm feeling broken and you reach out and you take my arm, I'm going to say thank you and I'm going to hold on. And the same is true with God's relationship with us. Sometimes we walk through broken and jagged places and we deal with very difficult emotions within ourselves and we have times and seasons of drought spiritually, but whenever we are in those seasons when God reaches out to us, we don't push away his hand, but we hold on to it and we say thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that you're still there, that you're walking with me, that you're beside me, that you're helping me, that you're guiding me. I need you, Lord. I need you to give me the things that I have to have that I cannot get on my own. Uh, Lord, I need you to be my breakthrough. I need you to help me over the things that I cannot get over, through the barriers that I cannot get beyond, through the things that are keeping me bound. I need your help, and sometimes it's not even for us. Sometimes We have a spirit of shabar for somebody else. Maybe it's a family member that's dealing with addiction that cannot get out of the chains and the struggle. They get out for a while and fall back in. They try so hard, but they can't get through. But God has promised us that there is the ability and the power. There's such an opportunity in this room today to be filled with God's spirit. And God's spirit is a breakthrough spirit. God's spirit can get you out of an addiction you couldn't get out of yourself God's spirit can lift you up and build you to a place where you are able to say I don't want that in my life anymore I don't need that bad relationship anymore I'm stepping forward because God begins to build in you the ability the ability to say I want my breakthrough I want God to take everything that's broken in my life and have it help me walk forward in him amen somebody Shabar is designated in scripture as something that becomes fuel for your next step. Fuel for your walk with God. Something that compels you to go forward. I wonder if we're looking at 1 Samuel 17 today. At the story of David and Goliath. You probably know it very well. But there's some interesting facts about this story. The breakthrough that God brought to David was not just the spirit that he loved, the, the, the man himself that had a desire to serve God. But I wonder if we noticed the absence of David's approval by his father when Samuel came and they knew there was going to be anointed king, and yet David was left in the, in the field with a few sheep. He wasn't even invited to the commencement ceremony of anointing the brothers with oil. And as, as Samuel went down the list, he found out that there's not one here for God said, don't anoint Eliab, don't anoint the next few that were looking stately, looked kingly, but that's not what God was after. He'd already given them a kingly king, Saul. And that didn't go well for 40 plus years, man fought maker, amen? Amen throughout the kingdom of Israel and now we see the division of the kingdom and now we know that Judah was separated from the lower half of Israel and Saul was over the lower half as king of Israel and the Philistines the Crete people that were seafaring people came in and pressed in land and now they were trying to divide Judah from the north at the north and divide the kingdom of the Israel to the south and Saul said no no we're going to bind together we're going to go out as an army, and we're going to fight against the Philistines. And there, there were some there were several things that were very interesting in this built-in breakthrough that we see David and Goliath. Number one is that we find that David and Goliath story has has always seemed to be a, an underdog fighting a giant. Amen. The Bible says now the Philistines in verse one of 1 Samuel seventeen. In my slide, you can see it. The area where they began to gather outside Soko. Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle, and were were gathered together at Soco or Soco, which belongeth to Judah, and pitched between Soko and Azekah. I can't even say these words without the Holy Ghost, I guess, in Ephraim, and that was the Valley of Elah. You can see in the next slide that the Valley of Elah that Saul. Had brought his men to camp there. In verse 2, and Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. Didn't seem much different than a couple of hills that were built, that were specifically designed in the landscape to house two armies, and they were going to clash in the valley. Everybody say the valley. It was a low place, amen? Sometimes the biggest battles in your life are won in valleys. Hello, somebody. Sometimes the low places in your life are where God does the greatest work. So I was praying about this, and I realized that God told me that if you're not willing to be broken in places that nobody sees, God will not give you a break forth and a breakthrough that everybody sees. There are times when I have prayed and God has planted me in places where I felt loneliness and I felt left out and I felt things that I didn't necessarily know how to handle. But while I was praying my way through those different struggles and emotions, I was in a valley and when God blessed me and healed me and helped me, I stood victorious and everybody celebrated the victory. Amen? Same would happen here. Where we see Saul's camp on the left, Sokuth is Judah behind. And then there was a creek that ran through it that was dried up, ephes didim. you You can see it there, the Philistines' camp was set on the other hillside. And every morning and every night, a large man by the name of Goliath would make his way into the valley and he would challenge the armies of Israel. Verse 3 says in 1 Samuel 17, and the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them. They were armed, and they were dangerous men. Philistines were known for their treacherous warfare. And now they had something called singular battle. It was to forestall or to keep from losing so many men in a battle. They would send their champion out. And Israel would need to send their champion out. And whoever won between the two champions meant that that army was conquered. And so it kept from losing many men. And so, of course, in First Samuel 17, there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span, which is about nine and a half feet. And he had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. And he had greaves on his greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. And what does all this mean? And a staff was of his spear, the staff of his spear was as a weaver's beam. And his spearhead weighed 600 shekels of iron and one bearing a shield went before him. What does all that mean? It means that Goliath had all the advanced equipment and all the advanced technology of that day to fight in warfare. Goliath was going out for hand-to-hand combat, but David knew that the battle belonged to the Lord. Amen, somebody. And so in verse 8, the cry of the enemy went forth, and he stood and he cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, this is an intimidating cry by a very large and intimidating Philistine. Why are ye come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine and ye servants to Saul? Choose you a man. Everyone say, choose you a man. man. Like send me somebody to fight and let him come down to me. And if you be able to fight with me and to kill me, then then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against you and kill him, then shall you be our servants and serve us. Everyone say "High high stakes. There are moments when there are high stakes. That you'll walk into a meeting, you'll walk into a circumstance, you'll walk into a situation and there are very high stakes and it can be intimidating to you in your spirit, but you have to understand that you have a built-in breakthrough through the power of the Holy Ghost in you. The Bible says that the Holy Ghost even says don't worry about what you will say in those moments because God will give you words to help you, amen? So in the spirit of understanding, I want to preach to you and and help you to know that God didn't just put this battle in array in just a random location. God actually set this battle up. And you'll see in just a minute what I'm talking about. Because this man, this Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And So the armies of Israel literally felt dismay and fear. They felt anxiety and worry and fear over what might happen. What's going to take place? What about their children and wives at home? Saul, of course, being a man of war, knew what was at stake here. And so in verse 11, when Saul and all, the, all of Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. I want to say that fear can come to you, but you have to know where to put it. Amen? Amen anxiety can try to grip you but you have to grip it by the power of God and the Holy Ghost that is in you and set it aside and say no I'm a child of the living king I have power within me for this and I can succeed I can break through there's no one more capable than a Holy Ghost filled man or woman that knows the battle belongs to the Lord there's no one more capable so David's introduction happens. Now David was a son of that Ephrodite of Benjamin, blah blah blah. You know what I'm saying. Bethlehem Judah. Just pick a way to say that. Whatever. Help yourself say that. Whose name was Jesse, and had eight sons, and the man went among them among men for an old man in his days of Saul. And there, and three eldest sons of Jesse went and followed Saul to the battle and the names of the three sons that went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, and the next unto him, Abinadab, and the third Shema. And David was the youngest, and the three eldest followed Saul. David was the youngest. And I, I wonder if maybe David started playing with the slingshot because he wasn't eligible to be a soldier. I wonder, you know, it just maybe between the lines in the Calhoun edition, okay, of the Word of God. Maybe right in there is where David saw his brothers going off to war and he he thought, I'm never going to be big enough. My inadequacies are never going to select me for a soldier. But he picked up a slinger sling and he began to practice. And I wonder if maybe that wasn't David's inadequacy talking i wonder if it wasn't maybe david's idea of i may not be a front man i may not be a military man i may not be one that rides in chariots and horses or is in infantry because there was only three kinds of individuals that actually were in saul's army and that was number one the cavalry, and number two the heavy infantry and number three the artillery but in the artillery there was a place for david because he may not be an archer but he can work a sling. Amen. And you see him being bored maybe on the backside of a shepherd's hill and he's knocking off Pepsi cans off rocks. He's taking out targets. And we think of it as just a kid's toy, you know, with a little fork and a little stretchy kind of, I don't know, slingshot type of effect where he's, it wasn't that at all. The strings were made of some sort of hide. Often they were made of leather and they could be up to six feet long with a patch in them that allowed them to put a rock or some sort of stone. And the shot that they used when they released it, it released it over 100 miles an hour. So what Goliath didn't account for and what looked like a disadvantage to David actually became an advantage to him. Because though he didn't get selected as a soldier, God selected him as a slinger. And so while he was fighting off bears and lions and getting his experience, we understand that slingers were not just random individuals in the armies of early days. We understand that slingers would put this particular type of sling in their hand and as they spun it, they would put the rock or the shot inside the sling and then they would release one half of the sling and throw the rock when they were ready to throw it. But while I give you a very lackadaisical illustration of what they used, you have to understand that slingers were considered the snipers of the army. In their day, Slingers would rotate this slingshot at six to seven revolutions a second. And when you heard an army lift up their slingers, you knew something was about to happen because it created a cry of of leather ripping through atmosphere. And literally from the hills, you would hear, you would hear that the war was about to engage because they would begin to sling it so fast, it would create a thunder of slingers. And it would announce that the battle was the Lord's, but it would also announce that the battle was to commence. And David got a hold of a slingshot and became so proficient that when he went before his brothers, he said, is there not a cause? They had a Goliath, but they had a giant killer on the side of Israel with a pulsing heart for God's people and God's army. And he said, you come to me with spear and sword, but I come to you in the name of the Lord God Almighty. I come against you with everything that I've got and everything I don't have is gonna be taken care of by the one who's got me, amen? That's how we have to approach our struggle and our trials and our giants, that everything that I have in me, if God calls me to use it, I'll use it. But when I'm done with what I have, God takes over and he carries that rock, or he takes it to a place where I can't take it, and he gives me the victory, amen? And the the Philistines drew near in the morning and evening and presenting themselves for 40 days. and. David was given a job by his family to take victuals, as the Bible says. That's yummy stuff. Take some yummy stuff to his brothers. How many love some victuals? Oh, yeah. Now we're getting really honest. There's going to be some deep healing in the house of the Lord today. I love my food. The difference between what God called people to be and what God does when he sends somebody is the difference between looking at what God has given you in your life and where you're headed in Jesus Christ some people would have just seen this as a job for David but David saw it as a sent mission And what you have to understand is the job of raising your kids and the job of loving your grandchildren and the job of loving people that are hard to love and doing things that others may be not able to do because God gave you you enough grace to love people that are hard to love. That is not a job. That is God's mission for your life. And he knew you would need extra faith and extra grace and he put it in you before you ever needed it. Because he built into you the breakthrough for those that are around you. Because you don't just break through yourself. When you break through, right where you break through, God breaks forth, and it affects everybody. He changed the dynamic of the armies of Israel. We may never have heard of David. We may never have even heard of Saul. Had it not been for a young man with a sling in his pocket that nobody thought was worth anything. That nobody that everybody discounted and did not consider. But in the moments of his discontinued of, of being discounted he literally built for himself something that bought the victory in his life. And while God was talking to him on the backside with of wilderness, wilderness with dirty sheep. He was preparing a built-in victory. He was spending time singing and praising Jesus and slinging a sling. He never knew what God was doing, but God was building in a victory. There was a built-in victory in his life because he walked on that battlefield with something in his pocket that forever changed the progression of Israel. And so David, carrying tin cheeses to the captains thousands and all the cheese heads in the house said, Amen. man. Looked at his brother and and Saul and they, all the men of Israel were there in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines and they encountered this great giant. And David rose up early in the morning and left his sheep with a keeper. Notice he's responsible. You never go to do you never go on a mission without taking care of the things at home first. Amen, somebody? And took and went, and Jesse had commanded him, and he came to the trench as the host was going forth to the fight and shouted for battle. In other words, they would go forth and they would array themselves, and then Goliath would step out into the valley and say, Send me your man. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, an army against army, and David left his carriage, in the hand of the keeper of the carriage, and ran into the army. He ran. Everybody say ran. Ran. David loved to run. He ran toward the adversity. You have to understand that the battle does not belong to you, but you have to run into it. You don't have to fight the battle, but you do have to face it. And so David left his carriage in in the hand of the keeper, and he ran into the army, and came and saluted his brethren, and he took... And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath, by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. Everyone say afraid. And then there was a great question asked by a young man who was a shepherd boy. He said, And the men of Israel said, Have ye seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel. So they said, have you not seen the man we fear? But David had a better question. Surely to defy Israel as he come up, and it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king, will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. They were all looking at the spoils before ever having gotten the victory. And David spake to the men and stood by him saying what shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach of Israel for who is for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he shall defy the armies of the living God he had a better question who is this who can stand against the people of God Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. David understood something about his God that if we'll break through this, God will break forth for us. God will do something powerful for us. And so they had to overcome doubt. And the people answered after him, this manner, saying, so shall it be done And the man that killeth him. And Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why comest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? Asking him, why aren't you taking care of your job? And David's like, because I'm on a mission. I'm sent by God. And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness. Notice how he is misunderstood. Sometimes your family are the ones that misunderstand you the most. Oh, that was a good point right there, but I didn't get an amen because that might be a little bit too close to home. I don't know. I know the pride of thy heart and the naughtiness of thy heart. For thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. This indicates to me that maybe somewhere David was spinning a a sling on the backside of of, of a wilderness and they're like, oh, look, David's trying to learn how to get down to that battle. Maybe, just maybe, you see it when David said, what have I done? Is there not a cause, he said. And he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. He began to say, is there not a reason to fight? is there not a reason to go down and take this one who stands against the progress of the people of God? Sometimes you have to get so desperate that you stand up and say, I'm not going to take this anymore. You don't get rights to my family, devil. You don't get rights to my income. You don't get rights to anything in my life. I'm standing up. I'm done. This is through. It's over. Have you ever had a spirit of that rise up in you? David was doing that, and when they heard this, they told told Saul, and they sent him to Saul. He was an unlikely volunteer. I get that all of his disqualification should have been in bold print but David was willing he was a man that was passionate and David said to Saul let no man's heart fail because of him thy servant will go and fight with with this Philistine he's like do you understand what you're doing David Saul was like do you understand he's a man of war from his youth you are not a man of war you have your shepherd staff and a pocket and a pocket slingshot and Saul said to David thou art not able to go against his Philistine to fight him for thou art a youth and he is a man of war from his youth and he said I fought lions and I fought bears I've been in places where there were high stakes and I won with the power of the Lord and David said unto Saul thy servant keep thy father's sheep and there came a lion as I kept my father's sheep there came a lion and a bear and I took a lamb out of the and took a lamb out of the flock and I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. And this servant, thy servant slew both a lion and a bear. He's got a lion rug and a bear rug in his house. He's like, That's enough for me to know that I can take on this Philistine. They may just take a slingshot in the army of the Lord behind me, but God can help me. If we can get an army of people praying for somebody. If we can gather around somebody that just has a little bit of something but they don't seem like they're very qualified to get through what they're going through. If we can get a people around them that said, "It is worthy cause. It is need for prayer." We can pray them through to their breakthrough and they can see God break forth in their situation. David said, "Moreover the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he sh- he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. The Lord be with you. Courage and humility all bound up in one young man with a slingshot. You have to understand that this all makes sense at this point until David gets permission by a warrior to go fight a warrior. This is not enough For a man in charge of Israel and the armies of Israel to let him go take on a champion that would then enslave all of them if he loses. But God had already set it up that he would recognize the anointing of God on a young man. And so Saul said, you go, because David had passion. And sometimes passion is permission in God's kingdom. I know we don't like to talk about it, but sometimes people who have less light and less understanding have more passion. And I would rather direct somebody that's on fire for God than try to kindle a fire under somebody who is ice cold in the kingdom. Amen? And that's what I believe is happening here. David girded his sword upon his armor, upon his armor, and he swayed or put on to to go, or he decided he would go, and he heard not. He had not proved it. He had not proved Saul's armor. And David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off him. He said, At least put on my armor if you're going to go against a military man with everything that he has. At least put on Saul's armor so you're protected. He said, I don't need that. I'm going to go with what's in my hand. And that's what God calls us to do. He said, Don't worry. I will take care of you. I have built into you the breakthroughs that you need in life if you trust me. And God will say, what's in your hand? What business do you need to start? What do you need to do to help God in the kingdom of God? What do you need to do to to be successful? All you need to do is look at what's in my hand. What do I have to work with? And then God will bless that because he's already put it there. He put it there for your breakthroughs. He's already built you before you needed it. You have to understand that God built David for this moment before David even knew he'd have this moment. And that's what God does through the power of his spirit. He puts his Holy Ghost in us and begins to build us up. And we go through trials and we think, it, think it's difficult. But the Bible says to count it all joy when you go through a fiery trial. To count it all joy when you have emotions and difficulty and you don't know what to do with them. Why? Because it's building you for your next battle. You don't even know it's coming yet, but God's building you up for the next thing he has for you. And when you get to that moment, the breaking that you went through is now going to be the strength for you to break through what you have come against you. And all those barriers will fall aside and God will break forth in in help and keep you from harm. And I thank God for this story because we look at it as David being the underdog and an unlikely hero. But if you understand the situation, you know, not only was the slingshot that he was using an aerial assault, and Goliath was expecting hand-to-hand combat, but we also understand that when he released that rock from the sling, it would be moving at over 100 miles an hour. And the rocks that he picked up in the Valley of Elah, that dried up brook that I showed you in that picture, those stones were barium sulfate, which are two times, two times, hear me carefully, they have two times the density of a normal rock. God had built in David's breakthrough before he ever, not only did he teach him because he could not be a soldier how to be a slinger and desire to do something for God, but his slingshot wasn't the only thing that built in his breakthrough that day. It was where God had arrayed the battle. God literally set up not only the way that David was going to break through, my goodness. But he also set up the place where David was going to break through. I want you to know we have a God that can set you up so good that not only is it beyond your ability, but he'll make the place where your victory shows up. He'll build in for you your breakthrough beyond what's in your hand. If you just take what's in your hand, you take what you can do and you begin to use it for the Lord. He'll set up the moment. He'll set up the way. He'll set up the ability for you and he'll will make a path for you and he'll give you the victory. He'll build in your breakthrough. Not only in the place, not only in the way, but he'll build in the moment for you. And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook, stones that are two times more dense than the normal rock. And they had These particular stones, it's proven, you can look it up. But when he put that stone in his sling, maybe he thought it was just like any other stone, but God knew better. They didn't have the technology to understand that. But when a slinger with six to seven rotations a second released that stone that was two times harder than a normal stone, it had the stopping power of a 45-millimeter handgun. They've proven this. And so David was not only having, having built in the ability to fight with what he had in his hand, but God also put him in a place that gave him an advantage. And then God also gave him the ability to have stopping power over the enemy. God does that with the power of the Holy Ghost, brothers and sisters. He not only picks the place for your victory, he picks the way you're going to win, and he also puts the Holy Ghost in you so that you have the ability to stop the enemy when you cry out to God. When you begin to pray, he builds inside of you a light that builds and grows and breaks forth, and he can give you your breakthrough. Amen, somebody. Was he an unlikely hero? No, not at all. In fact, what was looked at and what appeared to be the advantage of the enemy was actually David's advantage. What looked like little advantage was actually the ability for David to win. For they have studied and they've looked at the slingers of old, and they found even in tapestries that slingers were so accurate they could hit birds in flight. Slingers were so accurate in the armies of Saul that they could hit a target at 200 yards. We're not talking about weaponry, we're talking about a slingshot here. And so we see that David took on Goliath. Something known as acromaglia was presented in an Indiana medical journal in 1960 as a possibility. Of why people grow so tall and possibly what Goliath was suffering from. Because it seemed like he was led into the valley with somebody. He moved slowly and he could only do hand-to-hand combat. And I'm closing. And he does not recognize David coming at him. In a way to war different than hand-to-hand combat. But something known as giantism or acromeglia. Is where there's a tumor that grows on the pituitary gl- gland. It's a benign tumor, but it creates, a, creates an overproduction of the human growth hormone. Robert Robert Walden was one of the individuals who had giantism, and when he died, in his 30s, he was eight foot 11. Because it just you just continue to grow. Also, Andre the Giant. Anybody know Andre the Giant? Princess Bride. You cannot go. (laughs) He also had giantism. And they believe possibly that Goliath was not only less of a foe than they thought, but they think that maybe he was suffering from visual impairment because why do you come to me with sticks and David only had one staff? The tumor compresses the visual nerves in the brain and it causes double vision and severe nearsightedness so maybe that's why he had an armor bearer that helped him into the valley every time he went down and so when david walked into the battle that day he had built in victory and everybody else thought he was an underdog but with god all things are possible amen would you stand with me today i don't have time to get to the rest of the sermon i guess i built more than i needed but that's okay The battle belongs to the Lord. Amen? Amen. The battle belongs to the Lord. What I love about David is he knew his God could do it for him. He knew his God had built in a breakthrough for him. And the Bible says that he ran to his giant. I want to challenge you. I don't know what you're coming up against. I don't know what is in front of you, what you have to fight against. But I want you to know that God's already built in your victory. And I want to challenge you today to set aside any fear, any anxiety of what's coming and run at that giant. Do like David and say, God has given me the victory and run at it in Jesus' name. Brother and sister, Van der Verden, I call them brothers and sisters in the Lord. They pastor in Oregon and their son had had an industrial accident and I close with this. And he had several discs in his back that were damaged. Two of the discs no longer had fluid in them, and one was bulged out, and he was in a wheelchair. He couldn't lift his hands and close his eyes to worship God, or he would pass out because of the way that it damaged his body and his spine. But that day, Brother and Sister Van der Verden walked to the front and said, Would you pray, and can we stand in for our son who's been damaged? Of course, the preacher said, yeah, I'll pray. I'll pray. They took him to several hospitals and locations before this, and they had done several surgeries. And the doctor who gave him an 80% fully disabled diagnosis, you'll never walk again, he told Joshua that. And Joshua said, God can heal me. And the doctor spun around and looked at him with a sneer and said, You can pray all you want to. You will never walk again. It's a medical impossibility. And what they didn't know was Joshua was online watching the service over the internet, and the preacher had left his microphone on so Joshua could hear everything his parents were doing when they stood in for him, and he sat in his wheelchair in the living room and he watched as his parents were standing in his stead to be prayed for and as the preacher began to pray the bible uh, the not the bible but the 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 moment was biblical it was a literal miracle moment and the preacher said he felt virtue leave him he felt god sin victory to that young man and while he was while they were praying and while he watched he reached to his handrails and he pushed himself up. And he said, his testimony, he felt warmth begin in his legs and run through his body. And he stood up. He couldn't stand before and take more than three steps without falling over. He stood up and he began to lift his hands because he wanted to test and see if he truly had a miracle. And he lifted his hands and he closed his eyes and began to worship God. And he did not pass out. And he began to jump around his living room while watching this online as his parents were prayed f- being prayed for online in another, they were thousands of miles away. He was in Oregon. He was dancing in his living room with his miracle. And he went out the door and ran up and down the drive. And God had healed him completely. And now he has two little girls He's a full-time pastor. He took the church that his parents were pastoring at the time of his miracle. And God had built in for him the faith that he needed to believe God for a breakthrough. And God organized the moment to where the preacher left the microphone on so he could hear him praying in another state while he got his miracle. I thank God for the moments he sets up for us. I thank God. Let's thank the Lord. Let's thank the Lord together. Jesus. I know I've been long preaching this sermon but I'm asking you to impart to somebody something that grows and expands. Lord God, something that breaks out of them and wants to to bring them into a victory that they've never seen before. God, don't let them look at their circumstances and think I can never win. Don't let them look at their situation and think there's no way that I can see victory but God, you have built into everyone in this room a breakthrough so that you can break forth in their life, and I'm asking right now in Jesus' name that you help us push past barriers of misunderstanding, barriers of difficulty difficulty, barriers of moments where we thought God wouldn't answer but instead get out what we have in our hands and watch the Lord do a great thing. Would you find a place to pray today? If you need to go, we understand. But your victory is already established. Your victory is already won. He's built into you internally what God wants to do through you. His breaking is not for you to be broken and stay broken but his breaking is so that you can be, you can have a breakthrough. Somebody pray today, somebody seek the Lord, somebody ask God to give you your breakthrough so that He can break forth in Jesus' name bow your heads with me if you're in this place seek God together with me right now there's miracle power in this house there's an ability for God to do something miraculous in this moment he's already designed your victory for you right now I see it in the name of Jesus for every soul in this place I see victory for every soul I see conquering power for every soul I see notable miracles. for every soul I see God's promise this is coming to pass. If you will, I will. If you will break through god will break forth. it's a guarantee and a contract with heaven it's god's character he'll do it he'll do it he has made the decision already that wherever we push through wherever we design the breakthrough wherever we say i'm done with dealing with this situation i don't want that lust in my life anymore i don't want that difficulty in my life anymore god right there will break forth and change everything the place, the moment, the method of Christ, how we will I'm break through indeed. today.
1: Break no through in us, Jesus. Holding break forth through us, it's Jesus. Be to our be.
0: breakthrough moment, God, right now in We're Jesus' free name. Indeed. Come on, press past the barriers. Right indeed. now, don't worry about your time. No don't worry about what's coming me. later today. Just it's take a moment with I Jesus right now in Jesus' name. We need a breakthrough moment so that God can stand and break forth in our midst. He can change everything for everyone around us. Not just you that gets the breakthrough. Everyone gets the victory. Everyone gets the victory. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.
1: I'm free indeed. In Christ I'm free indeed no chains are holding me it's who i choose to be i'm free indeed in christ i'm free indeed no chains are holding me it's who i choose to
0: be come on let's push in let's press past. let's get our breakthrough right now whatever you need from the lord Lord is available it's already loaded on the skins of heaven you just need to grab a hold of it i don't know if i need anything right now preacher Well, you may need it tomorrow you may need it the next day your broken moments are designed to give you breakthrough your moments that you've been looked over Choose and left out afraid. are the very moments that God's building in you what you need for your next breakthrough. Come on, David, afraid. left in this, left with the stinky sheep, left out in the back of the wilderness, not even thought of by his own father, not even brought in by She'll his own family. Come on, you would, whether you are left or not, God left you there and helped you, and He never He never left you alone, but He was there building you so that you'd have a breakthrough, God does not just let you be broken he lets everything that happens to you create your breakthrough he doesn't just let you stay broken he builds it in you so that whenever you have faith to get over the broken moments he builds in you the strength to have your breakthrough in jesus name i believe you for it i believe
1: before you the demons run and flee of your name king of majesty there is no power in hell or any who can stand before the power and the presence of the great i am